This is the Voice in the Wilderness podcast channel. Today's topic is going to be recognizing our error is the first step in repairing our loss. But first, a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, amen. All that I am, all that I have, all that I do shall be consecrated to the service, honor, and glory and exaltation of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Sacred Heart of Jesus in the Heavenly Kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. In Jesus, um, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. So the reason for this topic was since my last episode, I had a chance to think. Oh, let's be honest. Um, our Lord and His Blessed Mother gave me the inspiration for this topic. And because uh, there, there is literally no certainty in this, in this life. The only certainty we have is death and eternity. That's it. But um, because I'm working through my own flaws and limitations as a human being, sometimes I get caught up in, well, you know, I got to know people if the message is getting out. That's not my job. That's not my job. As Father Dikasad puts it in Abandonment to, Div to Divine Providence, he says, um, we are not to figure out, or we, we, it is not our job to know the designs of God. It is just our, our job to do the will of God. And I would add, as we understand it. Because honestly speaking, we are all spiritually blinded. I'm not excluding myself from this. I, just as a general disclaimer, um, a lot of what I talk about throughout both of my podcast platforms, um, I, uh, I include myself. Uh, I don't consider, you know, despite what, you know, any new listeners may think, I do not consider myself uh, an oracle or better than anyone else. If anything, I consider myself the worst of the worst. Um, in the sense that I, I do things that I know for a fact displease our Lord and his blessed mother and the saints, but I do them anyway. Okay, so um, I don't consider myself better than anyone else. But anyway, it occurred to me over the past couple days or so that I think a lot of um, what I would can, uh, call true Catholics or what they prefer to be called as a set of a contest is 
We forget that part of our mission on earth while we're here, that, sorry guys, um, part of our mission here is that we're not just here to purify ourselves, ready ourselves for heaven, and for the conversion of non-believers and the conversion of the lukewarm, we are also here to make up the sins of the Catholic Church of the past. And obviously, when I say the Catholic Church of the past, I'm talking the pre-Vatican II Catholic Church. And... Part of that, you know, I've, I've covered in my previous episodes the sins of the pre-Vatican II church. Complacency. Presumption. And one of the things, I'd say one of the biggest things, I don't claim to be a moral theologian, but I think one of the... Uh, one of the biggest sins of the pre-Vatican II Church, for be, 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 because I'm not the most articulate a person, I would say would be the lack of imagination. Now, what do I mean by this? I'll tell you exactly what I mean. They never had either the imagination or the spiritual insight that there may come a time when infiltrators within their own ranks may come in and bring down the outward institutions of the true Catholic Church so that the only thing that would be remaining would be the spirit of the true pre-Vatican II Catholic Church. And I would also say one of the, um, and, and a lot of people who consider themselves true Catholics are very guilty of this, are the sins of lack of love for God and neighbor, coldness, indifference, um, complacency, obviously, and um, uh, presumption. You know, that's the one, that is the one consistent thing that has lasted throughout at least the past 600 years, probably before then too, or otherwise we would never have gotten the, the Protestant revolt back in the uh, 16th century. You don't have to like this. You don't have, you know, if, if you're a true Catholic, you don't have to like it. You can, you know. You can call me names. You can accuse me of all sorts of stuff. It is the truth. Because, let's be honest, if it were not the truth, the, the, the institution, the visible institutions of the pre-Vatican II Church would still exist. Now, as part of divine providence... Obviously, we're living in the times that we're living in, and we can't change that. It's already, Vatican II has already happened. 
Vatican II has already happened. We can't change that. However, going back to the topic of this episode, we can try as best as we can to make up for the sins and errors of the pre-Vatican II Catholic Church. And the things that I just talked about, they started out small until prior to the Vatican II Council, they got to a point where, as the seculars say, it became a tipping point. And, and the Vatican II Council was the tipping point. So part of making up for that thing would be number one, we have to, as true Catholics, repair our losses within ourselves. And I've covered that ad nauseum, so I'm not going to get, you know, I'm, I'm not going to repeat myself on this. We have to have a spiritual relationship with our Lord and his blessed mother. Number two, what we need to do is to reach out, not just to the heretics of the Vatican II sect, but we also have to reach out to the general non-believers um, at large and try to get them onto the Ark of Salvation because that's what the church is here for to begin with. Uh, also, too, the first part I talked about where I talked about repairing our, our, our losses within ourselves, that means, one, um, and this is something I forgot to mention earlier, is one of the biggest uh, sins that we have committed, at least since the Protestant revolt, is um, lukewarmness. There are a lot of people that call themselves true Catholics who are very lukewarm about the faith. Don't have to like it, it's the truth. It, I mean, at least at least what I would say, at least on the online level, although I suspect that lukewarmness also boils down to people who are not on the internet. Now, am I saying everyone's like this? No, I'm, but I'm saying a lot of people are. And we need to make up for that. And the third thing that we need to fix is we need to prepare ourselves for the Great Tribulation. I've done episodes on that, mainly aimed at the bishops. Because only the bishops can prepare the underground church for what is necessary. But before they can prepare the underground church, they have to unite. All true Catholics need this to stop this, need to stop this, um, I don't know what it's called. Um, I'll just say the clicks. Now, obviously, Within the Sedevacantist movement in itself, 
we wouldn't call uh, call our different organization cliques. We would call them you know, organizations. We need to be united in purpose. That means that um, in in Europe and America, you know, we need to unite under a common cause, and we need to have a common purpose. Now, I w- uh, this, this thought occurred to me as I was speaking. When the Vatican II sect calls us Protestants, once again, being the heretics that they are, they're right, but for the wrong reasons. And I suspect with some of their apologists, um, the wrong reasons are probably hostile toward the truth. But they are right in a sense that having been Protestant, I could say this authoritatively, we tend, just like the Protestants do, to get into a cult of personality and say, well, I'm under Bishop so-and-so, or I'm under Father so-and-so, or Monsignor, whatever. And we're, we're in our little clique, you know. And, you know, if somebody doesn't fit into our conception of um, sedimentism or what I call orthodoxy, we tend to dismiss them, make fun of them, um, blah, 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 or if we don't like their personality. This, this needs to stop. So what I'm talking about here is um, there, there was a reason I did an episode on how the situation of today's society and culture for the true Catholics in my audience is the same for those of the first Catholics in um, the beginning of what is known historically as the infant church. And that is because, because of the persecutions, every bishop over a particular diocese or area was basically the spiritual head. However, however, what we did have, every bishop was united in purpose in the sense that the Pope in Rome was the boss, but for the day-to-day organism running of their diocese, was left up to them because obviously being an underground church, you know, you didn't have freedom of movement and you're, you're basically a bunch of underground outlaws as far as the pagan government is concerned. Now, the reason I, I said uh, in my earlier in this episode, I talked about the lack of imagination or the lack of spiritual insight We can't worry about when or how 
our Lord or our Lady or both come down and clean up this Algean stable, which is known as present day modern society and culture. We have to go in our day-to-day existence doing the best we can every day, which means we can't cudgel our brains trying to figure out, well, maybe this will happen or maybe that'll happen, so we shouldn't do these things. We, our operating assumption should be that we should act like maybe these things, you know, if they do happen, may not happen for a long time be it 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, whatever. We should, we should act like these things may not come. Because at the end of the day, our will, our, I'm sorry, our purpose is to do our Lord and our Lady's will. That's it. So, I, I know for the, for the, for the theology um, autists out there, well, Rome is the seat of the church. Uh, we can't have a pope unless he's sitting in the Vatican. Who says? Now, I realize that church teaching for the past 3,000 years has said the pope is in Rome and... um. We are to obey the Pope in Rome. But despite the, uh, the prophecies of Our Lady at La Salette and the prophecies especially of Our Lady of Good Success, which happened during the Protestant Revolt, that it should have occurred to the more spiritually minded of the priests and prelates of that of that time or the time after the Protestant revolt that there may come a time where Rome would be overthrown by the pagan impostors and that we may need to take actions on our own this goes back to what i was talking about using our initiative God does not expect us to be mindless automaton. Ugh. God does not expect us to be mindless automatons or robots. Sorry, robots. You know, well, you know, this is what it said. I've got to do it. I can't think for myself. I can't think on my own. By by the very by the very nature of the situation we are in today. We've got no choice but to take our initiative and do the best that we can. And if that means, if that means choosing one person, one person, and however the set of bishop decide how that happens, um, deciding that this person is going to be the, the quote-unquote pope of the set of Vacantus movement, then that's what we need to do. You can call it what you want to. You can, you know, you can uh, 
get outraged and, you know, whatever. It's, it's, there, there's no getting around this. Because the visible institutions have been corrupted and overthrown. And there's no going back. There's no reversing the clock. Unless our Lord and our Lady decides it is time to do this. And I, I just want to remind people that at the beginning of the Catholic Church... If people had had the mindset then of what they do today, after first the first apostle died, apostles died, they would have been like, well, um, the, 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 the 12 apostles are dead now. What do we do? You know, what do we do? They took the initiative. They did, they, they, they entrusted in the kingdom of heaven that they would lead them in the right direction. They did the best they could in their little particular areas. And this is another thing I want to pound home to you guys. We are literally going back to the very beginnings of the church in the sense that my particular bishop of my particular organization may literally, if the church is forced underground and the pagan, the hostile pagan authorities don't grab him up, he his word is literally going to be law, just like at the beginning of the Catholic Church's beginnings that their local bishops were the law for their local areas. We have got to quit whistling past the graveyard. We have got to quit pretending like everything's fine and this is, this is just an unpleasant period that we just need to duck down our heads and we'll get through and everything will be hunky-dory. The book of Apocalypse proves otherwise for you uh, for you non-believers or uh, Protestants out there, you would know it is the book of Revelation. But for Catholics, we call it the book of Apocalypse. Anyhow, we have got, you know, we have got to get serious about this. Now, That brings me to my purpose. As I have stated before, but for the sake of clarity, I will state it now. My outlook is, if I don't see any, any you know, visible, see any visible things, changes in my lifetime, that does not necessarily make the actions that I'm taking right now invalid. It just means that, you know, God will use what I'm doing for his own purposes and his blessed mother, obviously. So, um, I'm not worried about the outcome. And if, if, you're, if you're a serious, true Catholic, neither should it bother you. The outcome doesn't matter. 
And just going back to divine providence, um, the outcome doesn't matter, shouldn't matter to you either. Because at the end of the day, our Lord, who is the author of time, who whose literal will is keeping us in existence, and he makes those decisions, not us. We can only do the best we can with what we've been given. And we need to remember that. But we need to work on those three items in particular. But within those three items, you know, and a lot of this stuff I've already covered in previous episodes. Preaching, preaching to the non-believers. Now, part of what I've included in my own thing is trying to alert the lukewarm to get serious about their faith. That also could help. You know, there are plenty of saints books. There are plenty of um, online books. Trust me, because I've listened to them on YouTube. Um, there, there, there's plenty of, of material out there. If you're, if you're calling yourself a set of contests, there's no need to talk about the saints. Read the saints on your own time and try to become one as best as you can. That's the best example. And if you want to recommend a particular saint or whatever, or, or maybe they wrote some books or sermons or what have you, go ahead and do that. Our job is to try to get people on the Ark of Salvation. That's it. It's not about our ego. It's not about our glorification. You know, we are literally put here to do his will. That's it. And... um. In case I haven't made this point clear, I'm going to make it clear right now. It used to annoy me, actually annoy me deeply, when you know people calling themselves true Catholics or Sedvacantists, pick your term, doesn't matter, would sit there and act like, oh, hey, everything's fine. We're, we're going to talk about St. Philomena or we're going to talk about St. Augustine. I've only mentioned one saint in the course of over 170 episodes. That was St. Thomas Aquinas. And that was to make a spiritual point. That our intelligence, as far as the spiritual life goes, is due to holy wisdom. Um, and thank you, Mother Mary and Lord Jesus, for reminding me. Here's another thing it would behoove people who consider themselves true Catholics to remember that you don't necessarily have to have 150 IQ to be spiritually smart. 
You could have a room temperature IQ, but if you're pious and devout, you could be wiser. And when I say wiser, I'm talking spiritually wiser and spiritually have more knowledge of God than the than the the person with the most highest IQ in the true Catholic movement who does not have a spiritual life. And it pains me that I even have to remind my audience, the true Catholics that is, of this, is that, um, number one, Holy wisdom and holy knowledge of God is what we should be shooting for if we are serious about our faith. But number two is that um, you know, the whole IQ thing. That that's a secular thing. And once again. I think this is playing into divine providence myself. I spent years into, you know, basically being a secular. I've seen dozens of YouTube videos, and I literally mean dozens, where everybody's all hung up. Well, I've got 130 IQ, and if you have 130 IQ, you could do this, this, and this. That, that, that's a secular mindset. That's not a spiritual mindset. And for those of you who doubt me, um, go ahead and Google uh, the saints and see if the saints talk about IQ or if they talk about holy wisdom and holy knowledge of God. And I am absolutely positive it's going to be the last thing I just mentioned. Not, not about the IQ thing or natural intelligence. But as I said before, as I said before, I've covered these areas. I've covered these areas. Oh, thank you, Mother Mary and Lord Jesus, keep me on track. So anyway, so I'm not worried about the outcome when I do these podcasts. First of all, my podcast is dedicated to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and the Sacred Heart of Jesus, our Lord and our Lady. It is not my podcast, so I don't care. Now, let you say I was of a particularly secular mindset, and, oh, I don't know, I liked politics or movies or whatever, and I, I had an average viewer count of 10 people a month. Yeah, I would be worried about that. You know, because it would be all about me, 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 me. That's not what this is for. As a matter of fact, um, there was a famous saint. Um, I wish I could remember. He was from Larens, But he said, love to be unknown. And I like that quote and I try to live that quote because as I said in an earlier episode, our anonymity may be our saving grace for the future. But at any, at, at any rate, um, 
if we're attempting to be pious and devout, remaining anonymous is what we're supposed to be doing anyway. Now, I'm not claiming infallible authority on this particular fact because I'm not 100% sure, but I think when Saint, or, well, yeah, he's a saint, uh, Thomas Akempis wrote The Imitation of Christ, it was anonymous for, for a little while. It could have been two or three hundred years. And then some scholar discovered that he was the one who actually wrote the book. But in his lifetime, when that book was published, and once again, I'm not claiming I'm infallibly correct on this. This is my understanding that nobody knew who the author was. But even, let's just say I'm wrong, and they knew it was Thomas Akempis who wrote it. I'm sure when Thomas Akempis wrote the book, it wasn't for the purpose of being famous and having people come to his monastery and hear the uh, God's wisdom come from him. His whole purpose was to help people become less lukewarm toward God and more pious and devout. But to circle back to the whole point, um, I'm not going to worry anymore about, you know, about the, for lack of a better term, the fo- the foibles of my uh, co-religionists. You know, I've already, as, as, as far as I'm concerned, if the Masonic forces drop tactical nukes on each other and destroy half the planet, I don't care. I literally don't care. And so... The fact that, you know, it, it just seems like at least the example I'm getting online of people acting no different from their secular neighbors, I'm not going to allow that to, to be my issue anymore. And as I said, what I do here is not for my own glorification. I'm doing this because I think that, you know, as best as I can tell, I think this is what our Lord and our mother wants me to do. So at the end of the day, they're going to decide how, when, if ever, these episodes get listened to and what effect that they will have on the listeners. But that's not something I'm going to worry about. Which... I think at this point, I need to wrap up. So, I'm not really sure how, how, uh, what direction this is going to go from here. It's been an evolution from the beginning. So, I'm not really sure what direction this is going to go in, if at all. Because I don't claim to be an oracle or a prophet. 
I could die in my sleep tonight and this would end this podcast. Ah, I could have my internet cut off forever. I could be arrested. Eventually, these podcasts will come to an end. But as of right now, I can only do what I can do. And it occurred to me over the weekend, too, that maybe on some of my episodes, I forced... I forced the issue and did podcasts when I should have. There, there was. There's two areas that I was thinking I should. I, I probably forced the issue when I should have waited. Number one, in the um, in my approach. I probably should have waited for the inspiration, the approach and the topic. I probably should have waited for inspiration. But because I do believe in God's divine providence and I have done these, if there's a use for them, they'll be useful. It just occurred to me, though, that I might have tried to force the issue. So... Trying to think if there's anything else that needs to be done. And honestly, I can't think of anything. So I think it's time to wrap up. Um, if you're new, if you're new and you're just stumbling onto this, I've talked about the topics that I've covered in this episode quite frankly, ad nauseum throughout the 170 episodes I've done up until this point. There's plenty of material to be listened to and Lord willing, digested and thought about. Not just the, you know, the uh, basic surface take that most people take nowadays. You know, if if it if it if for my long term listeners, if it hasn't occurred to you by this point that um if it hasn't occurred to you at this point that taking the the the, the surface viewpoint unless it comes to dealing with the people that are actually within your own life, then I don't know what to tell you. And while I'm on this subject, to close out, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to try to. Uh, well, thank you, Mother Mary and Lord Jesus. Basically, to close out. If you think that I'm full of crap or whatever you think and you disregard what is on these two podcast platforms is full of garbage, 
Nothing at this point, nothing I say or do is going to change your mind. It literally isn't. Once again, divine providence. I learned this early on when I used to peruse the internet. You know, when I was a quote unquote based in red pilled conservative, that if I'm talking to a progressive, and I'm trying to tell them that no um, socialism is not a viable economic system. Communism is not a viable uh, economic or political solution. Then the same thing applies for here. If you are a non-true Catholic or set of a contest, nothing I say or nothing I say is going to change your mind, barring an act, a literal act, of our Lord or our Blessed Mother. If you are a lukewarm, quote-unquote, set of if by this point you do not realize that you need to get serious and get busy, nothing I say at this point is going to change your mind. And there's nothing I can do about that. And furthermore, I'm not going to try because it's not my job. It's my Lord and his blessed mother's job to do that and the saints of heaven. I am just their very broken and very blunt tool that they use. And, you know, um, the show model of both of my podcast platforms is, and I'm quoting St. Bernadette, uh, Bernadette Subarus, who the Blessed Mother appeared to at Lourdes, who became a saint. My job is to inform, not convince. That's all I can do. If your mind is too closed, if, if you're not capable of anything deeper than this shallow, superficial view that's prevalent in today's society and culture, nothing, you know, there's nothing I can do about that. Actually, the ball's in your court. You know, if you if you recognize that that's an issue with yourself, you're going to have to pray. You're going to have to pray sincerely and honesty, honestly. Sorry. To get this fixed. That's all you can do. If you want to, you know, if you're a lukewarm set of a contest and you don't want to be lukewarm, then you're going to have to pray for help. You know, and I think that's a larger point that I've missed in my two, uh, in my time up until now is that. I think that I was I was thinking that well I'll put the information out there and people will give it a fair listen and you know they'll 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 take what I say on the merits. Um 
And I've realized over the course of, it's been almost a year. It's, it's going to become a year in the beginning of November that I've been doing this. But people are individuals and they come to God in their own way. And if only a minority of the remnant of the true Catholics actually, you know, do what they're supposed to do, that's God's will. There's nothing I can do about that anyway. And if I'm going to be honest, I got to say, I've got enough on my own personal plate that I'm not even doing the Lord's will perfectly enough or as perfect as I would like to do it without worrying about other people. At the end of the day, it is up to you to decide what are you going to do? And the moment of decision is now. We've had guys like Father Bernard Utley warning Sedvacantis for years. Wake up, smell the coffee, get busy. And everybody wants to ignore him. You know, it's literally like the days of Noah. It is literally like the days of Noah, which if you know your Bible... That, um, at least in the gospel according to St. Matthew, he, he literally tells his audience, in the last days, it'll be like the days of Noah. You know, people are going to be off doing their own thing, and they're going to laugh at Noah and point at him. Look at the crazy man. Look at the crazy man. Or look at the crazy people. And they're going to go their own way. Till the floods come. Would you absolutely, well, actually, you don't have to do anything. I'm, I'm just going to say, um, if you don't realize tomorrow's not promised to you, the time to start doing things is now, just remember the, the people in the days of Noah, only seven people if I'm remembering correctly, only seven people who were on the ark survived the flood. And just for added emphasis, I will add, the last time I checked, there are between seven and eight billion people on the planet. I just want to give you some food for thought. So anyway, if you've given me your time, I do appreciate it, and I do thank you, and I hope and pray you get something out of this. I am praying for everyone, and I do want to see as many people get to heaven as possible. But as I never get tired of saying, it is up to you. No one can take you by the hand and lead you. You actually have to show some initiative and do it. And you, you know, you have to decide that when you do make the decision that you're going to be totally sold out for our Lord and his blessed mother. It's really that simple. 
but I would like to see as many people get to heaven as possible. I thank you for your time and your patience. I really do. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Have a good day. Bye-bye.